Welcome to the Carbon Stations podcast, where we speak to some of the leading figures in the emerging carbon industry. Our guest today is Bertrand Lenezé, Chief Marketing Intelligence Officer of Veridius AI, a carbon credit pricing and data provider for the voluntary carbon market. Bertrand, I'm very pleased you could join us today. Uh, now, today's episode is special because it's fresh after COP28, which saw much talk and discussions about carbon credits and carbon markets. So even despite the end result where countries rejected the guidelines on Article 6, I'm sure we'll still have plenty to talk about. But before that, please tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to join Veridius AI. Hi, Bernard. And uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, it's a great pleasure to uh, to be talking on your podcast, which I'm, uh, you know, I'm a great fan. I'm um, I'm an engineer by 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 training. For the last um, ten years, I've been working as a financial engineer, quantitative analyst for um, for various banks. I've been working um, in Europe as well as in Singapore, uh, working for um, European and Asian banks in general. So what happened is I liked very much what I was doing, but I wanted to to sort of have more impact on the company I was working for. So um, I left the banks that I was working for in Singapore. I think um, at the back of my mind, I was always a builder. When I was um, even in this large corporate, I've been always venturing into space that were not initially targeted for me, um, such as building um large in-house development team, for instance, uh, to, to solve problems that uh, the banks were, were stuck with. So we left with my family in Singapore, came back to Europe, and I was basically running uh, a small consultancy practice for, for clients of mine and, and working on my own projects. That's when early 2020, that's when I was approached by Marcelo Labre, who is the CEO of Virgos AI, and ideally started with the um, CEO of the groups that we created. Both of them met in New York Climate Week in 2019 and decided to create the Viridius uh, group. And they basically, you know, offered me um, a seat as a co-founder um, in, in the group. I worked with Marcelo in the, in the real world for a couple of years in, in Singapore. So that's how we, um, we had a connection. And that was, so they've been, it was, I was not hard to convince. They um, both were very, very knowledgeable already on, on carbon markets. They, so for instance, Marcelo did um, a PhD on carbon pricing at Imperial College. Eddie Listorti, who prior to, um, to carbon was a veteran banker working for very large banks. And he was already interested in, um, in carbon markets for, for at least two, three years when we started talking in 2020. So having their, um, their guidance was um, a great help to, you know, bootstrap my learning experience on, on carbon markets. And that's how we started. I discovered a fascinating space. To be honest, I, I was always very interested in, in climate change, but I never knew how my, um, financial management skills could, uh, could be applied. But the more I learned about this, so carbon markets in general, the more I realized that a lot of my skills could be, uh, could be applied. Back in time, you know, the, the carbon markets was, was in a very different place um, back then. And, um, you know, there was just, just to give an example, there was no standardized instruments like the GON and GO, for instance. And then and I realized that the market was, you know, even more opaque, more liquid, less transparent. 
And, 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 and this aspect of the market resonated well, well with some of my past experience. Uh, I've, when I was in Singapore, I've, I've, uh, I've worked on, on, on creating methodology and models to solve um, illiquid markets. For, that was for the, uh, the credit markets in Asia. We're creating generic curves. In fact, with Marcelo, we even wrote a paper on, on that topic. And, and quite naturally, um, financial mathematics, AI skills, which were my core competencies, I, I could see how this topic, how this knowledge could, uh, these skills could be applied very well to, um, to the voluntary carbon market. So that's, that's really how we started. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all that. And can you tell us more about what it is exactly Veridius AI does? I know you've launched a pricing module for compliance carbon credits in Australia earlier this year. Uh, it would be great to learn a little bit about that as well as whether any of this relates to Viridius Capital, if I may ask, which I know is an asset management company that is also focused on carbon projects and on the VCMs. So if you could paint us a picture of how all of this comes together. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe maybe I'll start with, um, with your later question. Uh, so what we created, and I alluded to that earlier, but we created not just one company, but two companies initially. Um, so one is Various Capital, which is involved it's in, in capital markets activities. So we are um, originating projects, developing projects. Um, we are helping companies in their decarbonization journey, advising them on um, their offset strategy. By and large, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's what Virgos uh, Capital is doing. And we have created Virgos AI, which is a tech and, and data company. We see ourselves as a data as a service company. To sort of summarize, our intention is to build the, the Bloomberg of the carbon markets. Just to, um, oh, so I, I think the distinction between these two, two companies is quite clear. And then we've recently, I'm not sure you've seen that, but we've recently acquired a third company, which is, um, uh, which is called Pangolin, which is um, a, a consulting company involved uh, based mostly in Australia and involved in, um, in footprinting, in assessing scope one, two, and three for, um, for, uh, for companies, for corporations. So that's, uh, that's a group. Um, now, um, so as you said, I'm the Chief Market Intelligence Officer at VRDOS AI. So now um, let's drill down a bit more into our, our product offering. So we, we started really um, by tackling the voluntary carbon markets. We, we basically gather, we generate data set, acquire data from public sources as well as, as partners, and we, uh, we aggregate all this to, to basically create actionable insights for, um, for our users. So what does this mean in practice? We will, um, we will gather data from um, uh, the registries, so that would be FERA, that would be gold standard, but we don't just gather the data. We, uh, we aggregate it, we standardize it, we normalize it. So we've created, for instance, a project taxonomy, which allows you to compare project from one registry to another. Um, otherwise, projects are always sort of, each registry will have a set of methodologies, but which are not 
compatible from one to another. So for us, it was very important to organize this market and create this uh, overarching um, taxonomy. What we also do, unfortunately, um, is that we um, we correct a number of data issues that we find in the registries. And and this is because we are spending a lot of time um, scrutinizing this, um, this data. Then we also produce our, our own data set. Um, Marcelo Labro and myself both come from financial mathematics background. So this has been uh, what we've been doing for, uh, for decades. Um, we created a pricing methodology to aggregate market data that we get from, you know, across the market. So from interdealer brokers, but as well as corporation uh, giving us data, project developers uh, giving us also data. And when I talk about data, it may be uh, bids, offers, so market indications, so it can be actually traded price. And we've created methodology to aggregate, normalize um, this data. This is, there's a lot of secret recipes, a lot of details that goes um, into this, um, this pricing methodology, which, you know, we create white paper to, to explain uh, to our customers how these things work in, um, in very detail. We also do a lot of work around, uh, for instance, eligibility, and that's a topic that is going to become even more relevant. So eligibility of certain projects into um, standardized instruments like the NGO or the GEO, but also eligibility to where we've, we've started working on adding uh, eligibility to Article 6, um, eligibility to the uh, core carbon principle, CCB of uh, ICBCM. Um, and, and things like this. And finally, we also uh, gather data from some of our um, partners, for instance, the, uh, the, the carbon rating agencies like Silvera and B0. We also display um, their, um, their project rating on, on the platform. By and large, we also, have, um, we also have a news module where we do a lot of work around AI classification of the news, the news articles and relate that with, uh, with carbon projects. Uh, so that's fascinating. And back to your question on the, it is true that earlier this week, uh, this week, earlier this year, we venture into a slightly different space, which is the, um, the Australia carbon markets, so the, uh, the so-called AQ. And that's, that's quite interesting for us because it, it's got attributes of, um, it, it, in some ways, it is a bit like the, uh, the voluntary carbon market because it's based on, on actual carbon projects uh, disseminated throughout the, uh, the Australia um, uh, territory or the Australia country. So what I mean with that, it's not like a traditional compliance market like the EU ETS, where you are just trading allowance. Here you have projects and you have like a, a, an idiosyncratic aspect. Uh, it's important to understand what is a project uh, that you are you're buying credits from. Uh, but then at the same time, it is um, from a, a demand standpoint, it is a compliance market. And so we've started generating price curves for different broad category of, of projects. And we are now embarking on building a methodology to price project or each project to, to price individually each project, if you want. So, uh, and so that, that has been well received. 
And um, so we, yeah, we're going to continue to be committed to the Australia carbon market as well. That's fantastic. Uh, when you mentioned gathering data from partners and such, you said you've had uh, to sometimes correct data from registries. Could you provide an example of what kind of data that is and uh, how you exactly come to correct it? First, I'll start by explaining that, you know, in the registry, you have a certain number of data, which is stored as a, in a structured fashion. And there's also a lot of unstructured data. And the unstructured data are typically um, 100 pages long documents, so which are going to be um, uh, the project um, design document, or it can be a project monitoring report. So, you know, you have a lot of information in, 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 in this document, but it's not stored in a, in a structured fashion. Examples, it, it can be things which are fairly easy to fix. For instance, uh, a lot of these registries will give us, uh, if not the shape file, at least the GPS coordinate of the, the project location. Um, so many times we find uh, forestry projects in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, for instance. <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that's that's just an example. But this is quite simple, right? You, when you have like the actual region, you can turn this into GPS coordinates, and you can do the difference between what we get. So this is easy to clean. Uh, but you know, sometimes we find that the actual methodology. Uh, which is registered as structured data in the registry versus what is defined in the PDD is not matching. Uh, the PDD is a methodology version may be wrong. These are some of the examples. All right. Thank you. And that actually ties neatly into my next question, which is what project attributes attributes uh, drive prices in the VCM since you mentioned geography and, and project types and so on? So let's start with the most obvious one, which is the project type, right? So, so in the VCM, you've got, you've got broad category, you've got removals, you've got uh, removal credits, you've got emission uh, reduction or avoidance credit, if you want. So I think that distinction is already quite important. Then drilling down, we've got different, uh, I, I like to call them markets because I see them operating almost as, 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 as distinct markets. So we'll have on one side, we'll have the red, red plus um, market. We will have the, for instance, IFM, improved forest management market in uh, uh, mostly present in, um, in the US, Canada and Mexico, which is around improving the way we, um, we manage the forest to, um, to sort of optimize the carbon storage. Then there's also the cook, the cook stove, improved cook stove, solar cook stove uh, market. Very different, uh, very important in Africa, for instance. We will find uh, finally uh, renewables energy, so that would be uh, solar, hydro, Wind. Yeah, um, projects. Yeah, wind. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> uh, thanks for helping on this. Um, and then we've got gas abatement. We've got energy efficiency projects. And then, you know, very much discussed the whole family of um, of carbon removal uh, projects. So it's, I, I think, so the first and most important criteria in terms of pricing will be the type of project. But then if you drill a bit further, you'll find many other attributes which, uh, which comes into picture. So for instance, the country, we see a huge premium for certain countries or a, a huge discount for some country. And that could be 
you know, just for instance, if, if you compare on average the price of Red Red Plus or forest protection projects in, uh, in Latin America, if you take a look on average between Colombia and, and Brazil, you'll see that Brazil is until today uh, still trading at a discount compared to Colombian projects. But we, we start seeing these changes. I think with, uh, with the Lula election, Brazil is, is starting to, uh, to trigger more trust, but uh, until recently, it was still trading at a, a quite a severe discount. Finally, um, another attribute that, that is very important and comes into picture for, for, for pricing is all the aspects around uh, co-benefits. Uh, in general, uh, listed, quantified, if you want, uh, using the, uh, the sustainable development goals defined by, by the UN. So obviously not all projects can deliver um, these SDGs. Uh, so that's, that's more applicable in, tip, in typically for um, afforestation, reforestation projects, blue carbon, so the uh, coastal restoration or the forest uh, conservation projects, as well as the cook stoves. But we, we can see that certain SDG, like good health, well-being, gender equality, quality educations are very much in demand. And when executed well, when they've been really integrated right from the start in, in the project design, the community, the local community have been engaged. We see that it translates into, uh, into decent premium uh, for, for these projects. Brilliant. Now, since we've entered the last stretch of this year, looking back, do you think you could give us kind of an overview of uh, VCM demand for all of 2023? Like how has the market developed in the past year? What types of projects were more sought after and have perhaps gained more attention than, than others and so on? Yeah, absolutely. I'll start by saying that um, it's been, um, it's obviously been a, a challenging year for, um, for, the, uh, for the voluntary carbon markets. But I think it's a sign that this market is about to, um, to grow and explode. There was, there has been a lot of scrutiny, but it's, it is just to me the um, the reflection that this market is um, is about to um, to explode. We on um, what is I mean obviously with uh, the the controversy around Red Red Plus project and 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 cook stove, these projects have um, have dropped in in price uh, since um, since January this year. But I would say that the high quality and high integrity project. And that's a good sign. I've, in general, I've resist, I've kept a higher price compared to, uh, compared to the low quality one or the ones that were actually listed in, uh, in some of these, uh, these articles and, uh, and, and were mentioned in these candles. The way I look at it is I think the market as a, as a whole has, has understood the message. And as uh, and has started to um, to take action, we've seen that um, the registries have um, have, uh, have done a lot of work on um, tightening their methodology. Vera has, for instance, published a new methodology around red red plus projects. We've seen very interesting work starting from the Integrity Council for the Voluntary uh, Carbon Market, the ICVCM, with uh, the core carbon principles that should be um, should be published uh, sometimes in 2024. That will, I think, that's going to be sort of a label of, of of quality 
that will certainly be helpful for the investors and for the corporation, for the end users who are, who are looking at retiring these credits. Um, and finally, I think um, the work that um, VCMI, so um, more on, on the demand side, is also very important. We have, um, by defining um, clear uh, code around, around claims, so for, they've, uh, they've published um, what they call the, um, the scope tree flexibility recently, and which is giving very um, a framework and very clear guidelines on to what extent, what project uh, corporation will be able to, uh, to, to offset and in, in, into what amount uh, without being, um, you know, caught in, uh, in, in, a, in a scandal. Uh, so I think this is, um, you know, these are good steps. Um, however, I think there's still many more, um, many more efforts like this required in the market. So I think what's going to become very, very critical for me in the, in the coming years is the uh, whole discussion around digitization of the carbon markets. I think it's fair to say that we live in a very data heavy world and, and, and the way Let's face it. The uh, the architecture of the, uh, the the voluntary carbon market was, uh, until recently, still too manual, too antique, uh, and people want more data, more transparency to um, to, um, to 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 start trusting uh, the um, you know the carbon credits that they are buying. But then another very important thing uh, for me um, is. Um, we will need to um, to sort of fix the um, the demand side of the market. That means, you know, moving slowly, moving away from um, a voluntary market to sort of a semi-compliance market. So there's a lot of interesting um, initiatives where we see fungibility in in countries. For instance, Singapore, you can uh, reduce your carbon tax. By, by buying international credits. Uh, I think um, Colombia has a, has a similar mechanism. We also have in the US, we have um, in the uh, California compliance market, there's also uh, certain projects from ACRCAR which, uh, which can be used uh, in this compliance scheme. So all these initiatives will generate demand and will make sure that people are not staying on the sideline of the market because what we've seen this year is because the market was still very voluntary with uh, a lot of the scandals that happened, um, a lot of the corporations sort of were almost incentivized to, to do nothing. Uh, meaning you were trying to, to reduce your, um, your carbon exposure. You were um, you were having you were running uh, an offset strategy uh, and you know doing your due diligence on finding um, the right projects and and yet you could be um, you could be crucified in uh, in the press because you had invested you had bought one bad project and and as a result uh, a lot of companies decided to temporarily stop buying carbon credits because it was actually detrimental to um, to their brand and to uh, and to their image and so this is to me 
this is what we need to fix, right? We are considering the challenge uh, at hand that we need to solve. We we should really encourage corporation to um, to to be actively participating in this market rather than you know being able to stay on the sideline and say hey um doing nothing is uh is what's so it's a less risky approach for me so that cannot happen uh i'm i'm a firm believer that um you know every company should be um uh, should be tackling every ton of carbon uh, that is emitted, whether um, you know it's decarbonizing their own value chain and having a plan to uh, uh, to um, to abate all these emissions, or uh, uh, for the residual emissions um, offset these uh, these emissions. Um, and then finally, on the, just to um, to circle back on your initial questions, I think. Um, Despite all the um, the controversy around the carbon markets this year, what we've seen is that the the retirements, what the retirement data, so the retirements are when the end users are actually um, you know uh, destroying this carbon credit, so that um, there's no further trading with uh, with these assets, and they uh, they typically do um, claim on on the back of that, so. They are they are lower at the moment. Um, they are lower than uh, in 2022, but not that much. I think we are. Uh, I was reading yesterday. I think we are short of 15 million uh, tons. Uh, but you know, the year is not over. Typically, December is uh, is is a month where a lot of uh, these retirement activities are happening. And uh, and when we look at certain, I think I published something on LinkedIn recently. Uh, it's actually very interesting that we can look at the retirement registry by registry. So it is true that with all those candles, Vera re retirements uh, have been lower. But I think if I remember correctly, for all the other main registries that we have on our platform, so which are called standard ACR and CAR, their retirements are higher in 23 than in 22. So it's all, it's not, there's, there's some positive in, um, in, in, in this packet. Yeah, speaking of positive, I just wanted to throw in there something that we discussed with you just before the podcast. It's uh, a very, very fresh and recent development, but an optimistic one nonetheless. Uh, as we know, the Guardian's article about the faulty carbon credits set pretty much the tone for um, all of uh, 2023, and it really undermined the credibility of the voluntary carbon market. So now this article was just published that completely debunks the paper on which The Guardian based their article. And it was written by senior scientists and academics in NASA, MIT, and other universities. So with that burden off the shoulders of the VCM, do you expect people to start trusting carbon markets more now? I think it's... I'm welcoming this um, this uh, this new paper that has been published. To me, um, it's um, you know that's just the way science works. Um, you've got one paper, someone uh, publish another paper to contradict, and, and you know that's that's how we uh, uh, we form a path and we uh, we we get better. To me, it's not just one article over the others. We will need, as I alluded to um, earlier, there's a couple of things that needs to be um, fixed uh, in this market. 
be it on the infrastructure side or uh, or more on the market dynamics demand. Uh, but it's it's definitely um, very encouraging uh, to see um, you know academics which are um, which are taking this uh, this topic seriously and um, you know and um, and uncover different lights on uh, on these red uh, red plus projects. In the beginning of this podcast, uh, I mentioned that there was a lot of talk at COP28 about all things carbon, but carbon markets did kind of take central stage. Uh, Despite this fact, though, as you know, countries did not come to any agreement on Article 6.2 and Article 6.4, which have to do with the exchange and verification of carbon credits. How do you believe this will affect the VCMs moving forward? I think there's a number of countries and, and for instance, Singapore is one of them, which uh, no matter what, um, based on what was previously agreed in, in Glasgow, are already moving on uh, and, uh, and, and, and progressing and, and, and doing Article 6 transactions. You know, this is not going to stop these, these pioneers. I, I think actors, countries which would be less pioneers would probably want, um, would feel more at ease with a sort of a more clear path and uh, a, a stricter framework. But I think nonetheless, there will be countries um, progressing on, 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 on these topics, even with a lack of, you know, clear, clear guidelines. I think there, there will be, I really hope that before COP, we, we managed to get some, um, some clarity, uh, some more clarity on, on, on Article 6, um, because this is a topic that is coming over and over again in our conversation with, with customers. There's a high demand for um, sort of Article 6 eligible um, projects. So, yeah, we didn't get the, um, the agreement and the announcement we were expecting. Having said that, nonetheless, there were quite a number of, of very interesting announcement and agreement made during uh, COP28. So there was, um, there was an announcement on the collaboration between registries to, um, to sort of form common principles on, on accounting for, uh, for, um, for avoidance and removal credits, um, say um, I think Singapore um, very interesting uh, introduced this concept of transition credits to um, to sort of uh, encourage um, the coal power um, power station in to sort of phase down the coal power station in Asia. Um, so yeah, this mixed results, but um, I am. Um, I, I believe the, um, the market will nonetheless, uh, the voluntary government market will nonetheless uh, continue to grow in, in 24. So. I'm hopeful for that as well. And uh, a final question for me before we wrap up. What's in the pipeline for Viridius AI? Is there something that you can share with us? Yeah, um, so we are working on uh, numerous things. I mentioned that earlier. We are going to, we are finalizing a methodology, a pricing methodology for uh, pricing at the project level for the Australia markets. Um, we are also, uh, that's going to be very exciting. We're going to launch a new set of dashboards to uh, on our platform, uh, like a, a full-fledged analytics module with uh, self-service um, uh, business intelligence so that people can customize their own, um, their own reports. Uh, and that will really... Because I think our platform has a lot of interesting data, um, 
mostly displayed project by project. So it's going to be an easy way for people to aggregate things, compare what is, how is the price or how is the, the, the price for this project comparing to, to a broader family, to a broader, um, to, to, to similar project in the region, um, things like this. So these are some of the, the two main projects um, which are keeping us busy. So that's, uh, that's what's coming up immediately in 24. Excellent. I wish you all the best with that, Bertrand. And this was such an insightful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today and sharing so much about what you do and shining a light on the state of the VCM at the moment. I really appreciate you taking the time for this. Thank you very much, uh, Violet, for, for the platform. It was a pleasure talking to you. If you enjoyed this episode of the Carbon Stations podcast and would like to hear more conversations like this, please be sure to subscribe. We really appreciate the support.